Hi, this is Life Coach David. Welcome to the Law of Attraction podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm a certified and very experienced Law of Attraction Life Coach. And we've been talking about and reading from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn. And she has a great way of explaining Law of Attraction from her point of view. And a lot of times she has some good humor in there and it's wonderful information. And I hope you're all having a lot of wins today. I've had many wins today. I had some great coaching sessions. And actually one of them was with a deaf girl. And we communicate through Skype chat. And she is just doing so well with implementing the law of attraction in her life. And I'm so happy for her. And I want to get right into the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And today we're going to start with chapter four called, Yes, yes, that, that, and that. Step two. Now that we've examined the cheerful information that living from don't wants is how we've created the vast majority of our lives, let's get to the business of understanding what wants really are and what on earth we do with them once we've uncovered them. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? Everybody knows what they want in life, right? Wrong. Wants are about the most frightening, misunderstood, neglected element in the entire human race. And I'd lay odds that, for most people, just thinking about them is more terrifying than a dentist's chair without painkillers. But, before we delve into the tantalizing realm of wants, it's important we understand what it is that gives joy and passion to our lives and makes life worth living. Oddly enough, what gives us happiness is the very thing we think we would like to avoid. Contrast. Likes and dislikes. Wants and don't wants. As strange as this logic may seem, without contrast, we would probably go insane. To better illustrate this bizarre concept, come fly with me on an imaginary journey over a fictitious town on a fictitious planet called Sameville. No thanks, Sameville. There it is, right below us. The area looks just like Earth, has the same terrain, the same shaped people, same everything. It all seems identical to Earth, except for one ghastly condition. Everything is gray. The landscape, the buildings, the cars, the animals, the bodies, it's all the same color even the same shade. The people have no oomph in them because everything is the same. They have no challenges, no hurdles, no obstacles, no contrast. Notice the inertia of the people. It's boredom and it's overpowering. Little wonder, no one has to make decisions in Sameville, for all decisions have the same outcome. No mate is different from the next. All jobs have the same level of stimulation. And, have you seen enough? The scene looks about as close to hell as we want to get. Who'd want to live in such a place? What would be the point? Nothing to rise above, nothing to desire, no differences to appreciate, nothing to inspire enthusiasm. Simply a place of incalculable boredom which is precisely what we came here to planet Earth to avoid. We came in search of diversity and differences. We came, strangely enough, for the contrast. That's what our third-dimensional planet Earth offers, 
a cornucopia of alternatives and choices, a training ground to help us determine what kinds of things we don't like so we can turn around and, thank you very much, create the kinds of things we do like. Like the man said, if the only ice cream ever made was vanilla, life would be pretty dull. So we have choices, lots and lots of choices, offering us not only the opportunities to live and enjoy whatever in this bountiful world we desire, but also to find out just how much torture and deprivation we're willing to put ourselves through before permitting those desires into our lives. Let's face it, we are unequaled wizards at identifying what displeases us but not too hot at allowing ourselves to identify what we really, really do want so that we can magnetize those things into our lives for the sheer joy of having them. Life was meant to be, don't like that, do like that. Instead, it turned out to be, don't like that, but guess I'm stuck with it. Then we bitch and stew and fuss and gripe about all the stuff we're stuck with which of course keeps us even more stuck right in the middle of where we don't want to be. So what do you want? Do you know? Do you dare to dream? Do you dare to desire? Do you dare to let your imagination, the most divine and mighty gift of the human race, run to the winds of fancy? What do you want? What do you dearly, truly want? And the next section is called The Torture of Wanting. As we back gently into the rather startling awareness that everything in our experience has come from our focus and how we've been feeling, it's probably only natural we should think, well, wanting may be okay for others, but I'm not about to start daydreaming like that now. My life's all right. I've gotten by. So why should I open myself up to more disappointment at this point? We see all the things we would like to have, but don't. All the places we would like to be, but aren't. All the ladders we would like to have climbed, but didn't. When very little has gone the way we would have deliberately chosen, why start wanting now? It's the old, the more I want, the less I get scenario, along with the other side of the same coin that says, sure, I have lots of desires and wants, but I don't expect to get them anyhow. Sad to say, We've been brainwashed into believing that most wants are not only self-serving, egotistical no-nos, but absurdly impossible. Do you remember when you were in, say, third or fourth grade? Not only were you old enough then to understand disappointment and how much it hurt, but you were already a seasoned veteran at knowing how to avoid those feelings. You found out early in life that the more you wanted something, the more you experience the heartache of not having it. You probably just stopped wanting unless, of course, you had an ironclad guarantee that your want would materialize. Even before that, as a toddler who relished exploring, you waddled over to the glittering glass vials on the TV set and got screamed at. No, no, don't touch. Not once, not hundreds of times, but some 60,000 times, say researchers, in a three-year period, you were told, no, bad, you don't want that. By the time you reached your fourth birthday, you were thinking twice about wanting much of anything. Wanting equated to bad. Nor does it stop after toddler years. Nope. To this, no to that, 
absolutely not to what seems like just about everything as you're growing up. By the time you get to high school, it's pretty tough to do much real wanting beyond what is socially acceptable, like getting your first car, going to the prom, or working your way through college. God forbid you should want to bum around the world until you think of something else better to do. God forbid you should want to become a millionaire by next year. Ridiculous. Get your head out of the clouds. So most of us just lay those passions aside as we trudge into the dogmatic shoulds and have-tos of adulthood. We have seen the great truth which states, the more we want something outside of society's book of rules, the sure we seem to be of not getting it. We dream, it never happens. We dream a little more, it doesn't come. Pretty soon we bow to the fictitious truth that dreaming of or wanting anything outside of the norm, and often even within the norm, is just not a fun thing to do. The more we want it, the worse we feel for not getting it. Finally, with the exception of the littlest dreams, the ones we know are prudent and obtainable, we stop dreaming altogether. And there we stay, in the bleak sanctuary of Sameville, protected by the erroneous belief that if we dream small and nothing happens, we won't be hurt big. Dear God in heaven, what a way we've chosen to live. Wow, and that's the end of that section. And that's sad, but it is true for a lot of people. I mean, for me, I had the bravery to say no to things I didn't want to do when I was much younger and say yes to what I really wanted to do and pursue that. But after reading that chapter, that section, it makes me feel sad that so many people really do get talked into a certain way that they think it has to be and they just forgo their dreams or what they really want to do. Wow. And the next section is called Breaking the Want Barrier. Crashing a lifetime of program deprivation can be a bit scary, primarily because it means changing. But crash it we must if we are to become creators by intent instead of creators by accident. And honestly, learning how to want productively and finding out that it's okay is not that big a deal once we learn how to want instead of don't want. There are three basic kinds of wants each with its own purpose in our dream file. Real wants. First are the real wants that come from the don't wants. I don't want to go to my in-laws for the holidays. Instead, I want dot dot dot. I don't want to live here anymore. Instead, I want dot dot dot. Those are the easiest. Just turn the page of a don't want, and there's your real wants on the other side. Then we have negative wants. Those are the ones that have to be flipped over before you can step out of them. You can spot them by how you feel, since they never make you feel good until you get your intent refocused. I want to be well has a clear focus on the apparent fact that you're not. That's a negative want. I want to be rich presents the same difficulty. Both are coming from a place of lack that causes us discomfort by the very fact that we don't have what we're wanting. Negative wants are always don't wants and can be tough to spot unless you tune into your feelings. If you're overweight and want to be thin and you say innocently enough, I want to be thin, that's a negative want and will never ever feel like a warm fuzzy. It's coming from longing or yearning or empty wishing 
all negative energies. It's coming out of the need, which is fear, not out of desire, which is excitement. Naturally, you wouldn't be wanting something if you had it, but if your only focus is on the fact that you don't have it, it will never come. It can't, for your focus is on its absence. If what you want and the way you are stating it is not making you feel good, it's negative wanting and needs to be flipped over to become a positive intent, an excited desire. Then we have rightful wants. Finally, the third kind of wanting, finally, the third kind of wanting I call rightful wants, for the simple reason that we have a right to our desires, no matter what our religions may say to the contrary, or our parents, or friends, or co-workers. We have a right, by virtue of our existence, to test our creative skills in any manner we choose. We have a right to displace any don't want, any don't want in our lives with a want at any time. And if it pleases us, it will probably also please others. If not, well then, so be it. With rightful wants, we finally come out of the closet of shoulds and gottas and go for life, our own. With rightful wants, we accept the very real fact that it is not only appropriate and proper, but critical for us to want anything, anywhere, of any kind, in any amount, in any shape, to any degree, at any time we so desire. Anything, anything on the face of this earth, if those things will take our lives off of hold, get us out of Sameville, and start us vibrating closer to the joy channel of our real selves. This is the only reason we have wants, to make us feel good when we have them. Yes, I know all this may sound callous, uncaring, and grossly self-serving, but please bear with me before jumping to conclusions and you'll see how this outrageous approach to life will also profoundly benefit all who surround and depend on you. And it's so important to really hone in on are we really focusing on what we want or are we focusing on the lack of what we want and that can get very tricky because sometimes it feels like we're not and we are so start getting very very focused and aware on how you're thinking about what you want and do your best to make sure you're not coming from a place of lack or don't want and what i read today I would listen to it again because there was a lot of information in there and you have to really think about it, think about how you can apply it in your own life and then practice with it. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want some wonderful, powerful Law of Attraction coaching, you can reach me through lifecoachdavid.com or you could just email me at david at lifecoachdavid.com. Thanks for listening and have a high vibration day.